We are so glad you've joined us today. If God is doing something in your life through this ministry, we want to hear about it. Send us an email at live at trinitynwa.com to tell us your story. You can also go online to give to this ministry by going to trinitynwa.com and clicking the red Give Online button. Again, thank you so much for joining us today. If you want to experience more content, visit our website or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Well, get your Bible, turn to Daniel chapter 3. And we want to answer a question, what God? What God? I want to tell you a story. It's one that you, almost everybody in this room is probably very familiar with, but I want to tell you a story. And just a couple of truths that I've gleaned uh, over the last couple of weeks, just reading, rereading this story that I think will be encouragement to you. It was an ancient king. He was the ruler of a vast empire. Uh, he was very powerful, very prestigious, wealthy, famous, and he was also arrogant. Um, he began to equate himself with God. The, the irony here is that this was a heathen king, but he had actually received his power from our God because God had positioned this man without him even knowing that God was using him. But in this positioning, uh, he became arrogant because of, like I said, all the things that came his way as a result of being the king. So he decided that he would equate himself with God. And so he had a statue built of himself that was 90 feet tall. That's quite an ego. I think they said sitting up on the platform, that's just the statue. That's not the platform. I think what I studied, they said that sitting on the platform, it put it up to about 115 feet in the air. And this arrogant king decreed that all of the people in his kingdom on a certain day would bow down and worship this statue at the dedication service. There were three young men who were there. You know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but that wasn't their names. Did you know that? Those were their given names. But these three young men refused to bow. They weren't going to worship anything or anyone other than Jehovah. And there's always a price to pay for being a true follower. Did you know that? You may not be living in uh, Syria right now and paying for being a Christian with your life. And yes, that is happening. More, more martyrs, I think, last year than any other year on record of people who were killed, martyred, murdered simply because they believed on the same Jesus that you believed on. Thousands a year die just for being like you. You may not be paying for this with your life, but there are some who are. There's a true, there's a price to be paid for anyone who wants to be a true follower. You may not pay with your life, but you will pay for it in other ways. Persecution comes in other ways. But there's one thing that we all have in common. True believers 
will not bow to any other God than our God, no matter what. Even if it costs them their life, they won't do it. Not true believers. And that infuriates the devil. And it infuriated this wicked king in our story. There had been rules that had been established and everybody knew that if they did not bow at the time the music was sounded, they were going to be bound and cast into a fiery furnace. You remember the story. And I thought how ironic that was that this casting into a fiery furnace is exactly what the devil would do to every one of you, but that's exactly what's going to happen to him at the end of it all. What he's trying to do to you is what he's going to get. And so in his arrogance, when the music sounded and the boys didn't bow, this king asked the question that we're asking here today. Quote, he said to the three boys, what God can save you from my power? The whole conversation is found in the book of Daniel, chapter 3, verse 14 is where it starts. Nebuchadnezzar is the king. He said to him, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, is it true that you won't honor my God or worship the golden statue that I've set up? He reminds him, when you hear the sound of the ram's horns and the flutes and the lyres and the harps and the three-stringed harps playing at the same time with all the other instruments... You're supposed to bow, and if you don't, you know you're going to be thrown into a blazing furnace. Now, what God's going to save you from my power then? And they said, King, we don't need to answer your last question. If our God, whom we honor, can save us from a blazing furnace and from your power, he will. But if, and if even if he doesn't, you should know. We'll never honor your gods or worship the golden calf that you set, or the golden statue that you've set up. And the king was so filled with anger... His face turned red. He ordered that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than it already was. And he told some of the soldiers from his army to tie the three up so that they could be thrown into the blazing furnace. And then the three men were thrown into the blazing furnace. End of story, right? No. Ask any, almost any of the children down in the children's church and they'll tell you how this story turned out. And most of you know how it turned out. You know that God delivered these three what the scripture calls hebrew children from a fiery furnace and it's an amazing story of god's ability to protect and to provide and to promote his own kids at the expense of the devil he does it all the time still does it all the time but i want you to notice something that's very powerful about our god he didn't just take care of those three but he was in the process of that he was able to change the heart of a wicked and arrogant king And I'll show you what I mean. What would cause this king who earlier had asked, what God can save you from my power? In in just a a, a short verse, just a few verses later, chapter 4, verse 3, the same God that had said, "What, what God can save you from my power? In just a short time later, here's what he's saying. Wow, the God of the Hebrews, his miracles are impressive. His power is amazing. His kingdom is eternal. His power is everlasting. What would cause that change? Same king who said, what God could save you from my power, said in verse uh, 29 of chapter 3, right after the fire, he says, no other God can rescue like this. 
my question to you is what God could be powerful enough to save not from a fire, but through a fire? Here's what got my attention about that. In that type of given situation, there might be someone in a kingdom from time to time who would have enough influence with the king to persuade him not to throw them in. Following me? It's possible that, that there have been people that were destined for a really, for a really bad thing that someone else had enough power to intervene to keep them from the fire. But there's never been a God that was powerful enough to save someone through a fire. You might find somebody that could keep you from having to go in it, which is how we always pray. Am I right? When we see the fire coming, when we see them heating it up seven times and we start praying, oh God, hang on a minute, time out. I see where this is going. Take this cup from me. The second part of Jesus' prayer, but nevertheless. Our prayer is always, there's a fire, save me from the fire. I have never prayed in my life until I was in a fire for God to save me through a fire. You never pray on this side of a fire, hey God, let me go through that fire and save me through it. Do you? You always say, "Pray, God, I'm praying Keep me from this fire. Keep the fire at a distance. What causes this king to change his opinion of our God is that he had the power. This king had the power if he wanted to save them from the fire. But he could never have saved them through the fire. And yet they were saved through the fire. Hmm. And when these boys were brought out, these boys who had been hanging around with Jesus in the fire, the following assessments were made about their life. You said, with Jesus, don't you remember how the story went? The king looks in, he says, I see three, I see four. Who's the fourth guy? Didn't we just throw in three? One of them looks like who? The son of man. Who's the son of man? So you've got these guys in a fire with Jesus, pre-incarnate Christ, just hanging around, being saved through a fire. And when they bring them out, there are the following assessments made. Number one, they start, they start evaluating the condition of these men. Now, what should it be? Well, their God has saved them. They're out of the fire, but they need desperate medical attention. They have burns on their bodies. They're alive, but they're going to need to be taken to a hospital. No, none of that. Look at the first thing that the scripture says. Look at verse uh, 27 of chapter 3. The first thing that they assessed here was their bodies were unharmed. The fire hadn't burned their bodies. Sometimes God deems it necessary not to save you from a fire, but to take you through a fire. 
Sure, he could get some glory from saving you from a fire, but he gets a whole lot more glory from bringing you through a fire. And that thing that we fear and we pray against so vehemently is the very thing that we look back on later and use for such a glorious testimony. Oh, we go, somebody says, you went through a serious fire. Yeah, we went through a fire. How'd you do that? You could, how did you get through that? And we start telling people the ways that Jesus brought us through. Isn't that right? This fire couldn't even harm their bodies. They went through it, but it couldn't even harm their bodies, which I don't know why you would ever be surprised at the fact that the devil wants to harm your body. He got up this morning. His job description has never changed. It's still the same. His job resume says that he is here to kill, steal, and destroy. So if you are one of Christ, his job every day is to kill you, destroy you, steal from you everything that he can, make your life miserable, and kill you. That's what he's trying to do. So why would we ever be surprised when we find ourselves in a fire? Why would that be a surprise? Here's what we need to understand about it, that the God that's able to keep us through a fire can keep us through a fire and we won't even be harmed by the one who wanted us in it. Our bodies, who we know the devil is doing everything he can to destroy our bodies. He wants to destroy your mind. He wants to destroy the way you think. He wants to destroy your physical body. He wants to destroy everything that he can about your body, make you sick. He wants to do everything he can do to you. And you say, and sometimes, Pastor, that happens. Man, I've, I've been through some terrible illnesses. Yeah, but you're still here. I prayed for God to heal me. I prayed that I never have to go through that, and yet I had to. Yeah, but you're still here. And you're better. You're better than you were before because of all that you've learned and all that you've been through has caused you to be a better, more mature person. The fire didn't hurt you. It just made you stronger. So what if the devil's trying to destroy your body? That shouldn't be any surprise. That's what he came to do, but he can't. This scripture says he can't even singe a single hair. And secondly, they noticed this about them in their assessment. Their possessions were untouched. Their bodies were unharmed and their possessions were untouched. Well, what possessions? Well, obviously they didn't take their house in with them. They didn't take their camel in with them. They didn't, but... They go into this fire wearing their clothing. And the scripture says that their clothes aren't even burned. The fire could not destroy anything about their life. Now, when the devil can't destroy your body, you know where he'll start next? On your stuff. If he can't, if he can't get you to stop, if he can't get you to quit, based on how he attacks your physical body, then he'll start attacking you where maybe it would hurt you more. For some, he'll start attacking your pocketbook. He'll start working on your finances. He'll start working on things that are important to you. Some things of value, some that are not. You have things that you like that are not of real monetary value, but they're important to you, am I right? The devil will start trying to tear up and steal and kill and mess up things that are important to you. Tried to get your body, he couldn't get your body, so now he goes after your stuff. Anything he could do to distract you. 
But he can't destroy your possessions either, but just ask Job. Their bodies are unharmed. Their possessions are untouched. And thirdly, this is the one I really want you to focus on with me for a minute. Their fragrance was unchanged. Even the way they smelled. They just went through a fire and folks standing around them, sniffing them, said, they don't even smell. Have you ever, anybody here ever been close to stuff that's been through a fire? Our fire was 10 years ago, and if you open up, there's still a few things that I just couldn't bear to throw away. It was sentimental value. If you open up that box, it still smells today just like it did 10 years ago when it burned. That stink don't ever go away. Yet these people come out of a fire, and they don't even smell like smoke. God can protect the way you smell no matter what fire you go through. Now, to me, this, this is not a physical thing. To me, this speaks of reputation. Because the enemy would do everything he can to cause there to be an air about you that makes you repulsive to the world. He's trying right now. Every true Christian today is being made out by the devil to appear to be mean and nasty and hateful and disruptive. They're all bigots. They're all prejudice. They're the reason there's no peace on the earth. Have you noticed that? You ever watch the news? Did you know that, Christian? If you're a true believer, you're the problem on this planet. You're what's wrong with this earth. If you listen to the media, you find out. Those of you who hold true to the word of God, you're the problem. The devil wants to make you stink to the world. But here's what's so cool about this. To people who are searching for truth, regardless of how the devil wants to make you smell, if they're seeking the truth, you smell really good to them because they smell Jesus. Now the world, they don't like the smell, do they? People that are angry with God, people that are far from God, people that aren't yielding to the spirit, people that are that are that are that are turning further and further away from truth to them. You stink. You smell you smell like something that is offensive to them because you will not acquiesce to what they would call political correctness. So you stink. But you and I both know that as true believers, we are not intolerant. We are not racist. We're not narrow minded. We love everybody. We, we just speak the truth and, and we hold to it no matter what, because we don't have a choice. But we're not the problem. But even in this fire that we're in right now, God is there. Now, if you're a believer who is angry back. If you're a believer who is fighting back and protesting back and and and, and calling names and causing trouble. God is not in that camp. God is not in the camp of those that hold up signs that say God hates somebody because God doesn't hate anybody. That's a lie. God is not in the camp of those who hate, but God is in the camp of anyone who loves him, who has a broken and a contrite heart, who sheds tears for the lost. God is in that camp. The devil wants to paint us in a negative light, make us stink to the world. 
but our fragrance is beautiful to God and to the people who are searching for God. And I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm glad I stink to the devil. I don't ever want to smell good to the devil. Do you? If you smell good to the devil, then you're on the wrong side. Think about that for a minute. I'm not pointing any fingers because I don't even know who it would be. But there's some there are some people, part of our congregation, who are constantly trying to court the enemy. They constantly want to smell good to the enemy's side. If you smell good to the devil, you're on the wrong side. Don't concern yourself with how the world feels about you. Concern yourself instead with how does God see you. And you'll never go through the fires of this life alone if that's your your focus. I'm going to point out two things to you in conclusion. You say, you mean you're almost done? I'm almost done. You're quiet, but I'm almost done. Two things I want to point out in conclusion. I want you to hear this about the fire that those guys went through. Number one, those boys went into that fire tied up and they came out free. And number two, the only thing that burned up in the fire was their bonds. So for all of those of you that are praying against having to go through the fire, I'm with you because it makes logical sense. I don't want to go through the fire either, but I do want you to understand the benefit of being willing to go through the fire. When you go through the fire, you go through the fire with Jesus. The devil can't destroy your body. He can't destroy your possessions. He can't even make you smell bad. He can't do anything to you when you go through the fire. And when you go through the fire, here's what happens. You come out free. And the only thing the devil can destroy are the bonds that the enemy tried to put on you. Now, Remember this, this journey that you're on or this fire that you find yourself in. This isn't about you anyway. I understand your need to pray for the fire to be over. If you're in the fire, you are obviously praying somebody put it out. I know what you're praying. I've been in the fire myself. Even in the fire, when I'm hanging around with Jesus, I'm still looking at the blaze. I'm staying close to Jesus, though, aren't I? When you're in the fire, you find the fourth man in the fire, don't you? You find him and you stay close. Am I right? You look around in the blaze, you say, where's Jesus? Hang on, Jesus, let me get, okay, all right, let me get right here with you. The fire has a way of keeping you close to Jesus. Am I right? And here's what I want you to remember. When you go through the fire... Just think about all the people who are going to be set free because you were willing to lead the way into a fire that burned up all of their bondage. What are you saying, Pastor? I don't know. There's a possibility that there's somebody out there that you're praying is going to get free. You've been praying for somebody to be free. For them to get free, you may have to go through a fire with them. Hmm. Well, Pastor, I'm not praying that. I'm praying that God would free them and just kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm more willing to watch from over here. I, I just want to pray for them. I'm saying, in order for them to get through the fire, you may get a little bit dirty. You may find yourself having to go through parts of the fire with them. 
Who are you praying for? It may be for yourself, but who is it that you've been praying for and fasting for and believing God for that is so desperately bound in sin? So desperately bound up in sin. If you want to get free, you want to get free, don't run from the fire that God is about to take you through. He will take you through it. Don't run from the fire that God is going to use to set you free and to give you a testimony that's going to help somebody else. Don't be afraid to take the hand of the person who's bound up. And if they go through the fire, to go through it with them. You say, but pastor, I don't want to get too close. I might stink. No, you don't stink when you go into the fire with Jesus. Huh? I've heard people say, well, they're, they've got a bad situation going. I don't want to get too close because I might, I might make might make me look bad don't you worry about what you're going to look like God will bring you through the fire and you won't stink huh God can protect all that he'll protect your body he'll protect your possessions he'll protect your reputation but you may have to go through the fire to help somebody get free from their bondage Lord I thank you and I praise you for your word today we're quiet in here today because we're just soaking it up Lord, we're just trying to hear from you. Some of us are quiet because we're in that fire right now. And we're just praying to get out. Others who are knowing right now, I'm bound up. I am bound up. I'm going to have to get in a fire to get free. It's going to take a fire for me to be for these bounds, these binds to be burned off so that I can be free. Count the cost, Jesus said. But he does want you to be free. During this last song, you know what we're going to do. We turn this place into a, a house of prayer and you're free to pray wherever you want to pray. You're free to get up, walk around, kneel, sit, stand. Come to the altars, pray in your seat. Whatever you want to do is fine with me. Any of those of you that are being baptized today, we're baptizing people in, in, uh, from all three services this morning. When, when they start this song, if you're being baptized, I want you to follow. Uh, Pastor Chad will be back at that back door back there. I want you to follow him out. He's going to lead you back and get you get you going where you're going. But for all of those of you who are either in a fire or else you're going to have to get in a fire or else you're praying for somebody that needs to go through a fire. I want to pray specifically for you. And so I'm going to ask you that whenever we Begin this song if you would just make your way. I'm going to pray for God to set some people free today. I'm going to pray for the fire to burn off the bonds. I'm going to pray for those of you that are standing in for some of there's There's people right now that, you, that you're thinking of that aren't here. That you are so worried about them. And you've been praying and standing and believing for them. And today you're going to stand in for them. And we're going to believe together and pray that God will bring them through the fire. So 
whether you need to be, whether you need the fire or you need it for somebody else, I want you to come up here and we're going to agree together as a family. We're going to pray together and we're going to watch God do some amazing things. I want to see God set some people free today. Amen. I want to see some faces around here that I hadn't seen in a long time for some people that have been bound up in some stuff and they're not coming around anymore. You know what I'm talking about. I want somebody standing in for folks that we can agree together and believe that God is going to set them free and bring them home. Are you ready? Are you ready to pray? Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Make your way down here to the front if you want prayer. Lead us.